this is something I say to my students every day, the way our mind reacts to Arabic music, it's not the same as the audience. The audience is not as fast as we are. We heard this song a million times. We translated, we studied, we saw second by second, we tried all movements possible, but not the audience. Welcome to Belly Dance Live podcast. My name is Jana Komarnitska. I'm a full-time dancer based in Toronto, performing a variety of Middle Eastern and Central Asian dance styles, including belly dance. You can find me at janadance.com as well as on Insta or Facebook by Jana Dance or Jana Komarnitska. I'm happy you've decided to join us for this weekly dose of dance inspiration because here on this podcast we explore all nuances and insights into lifestyle of ballet dancers and we are having amazing star guests who share their stories, secrets and tips with you. Hello guys, you're listening to Ballet Dance Live podcast and today I have a sensational guest. I'm so excited she is uh, finally here on the podcast and we have an opportunity to talk today to Esmeralda Colabon, <laughs> who is uh, um, now also an owner of her school, in uh, the director of her school in Sao Paulo, but uh, also this is a dancer who has international recognition and she travels all around the world. Also just uh, a few highlights. For 12 years she was a part of uh, two very interesting dance companies. Uh, La Maison de Artista from Lebanon, I hope I pronounced it correctly, as well as uh, Belly Dance Brazil. And with these two companies she had performed in the best hotels of Arab Emirates, Qatar, Oman, Syria, Morocco, Tunisia and other countries. And with her really unique style, she is known as the Tunisian treasure and considered the new Samia Gamal of 21st century. So I'm so excited to have her on the podcast. Hello, Esmeralda, and welcome to our um, belly dance chats here. <laughs> Hello, Yana. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited for being here talking to you and listening all of these just make me feel so important. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you definitely are, because you are such a significant artist who has a very unique style. And I would right away would like to um, to start with this question about your style, sure. because this is something that really identifies you and uh, uh, defining from all other artists. And if anyone from our listeners never saw any of your videos and don't really know what I'm talking about, I just urge you right away, just pause this <laughs> podcast, go to social media, uh, type Esmeralda Colabon to see her performances. But um, even for those who already saw and know what I'm talking about, I'm very curious to ask you how, in your own words, how can you describe your dance style? Oh, my God. You see, I, I think that what made me dance the way I dance is how I learned. I, I, I was not in a proper school. I learned with this wonderful woman called Lucia, Lucia Nogueira. And she used to teach me in her living room. It was a very small room. And um, 
after two years with her, I send my material to La Maison de l'Artiste in Lebanon and uh, Belly Dance Brazil, and I was accepted. So I was very young. My experience in Belly Dance was so oh, almost nothing because, you know, two years. I, I, I came from classic ballet and jazz, and you know that in these in these two dances, you don't do two years and become something. You, you need some time. You need to graduate. You need to study. You need years to become something. So in two years, I was trying my best with my material and uh, I got in. I was accepted. I was the youngest dancer at the time. I'm talking 2002. How old were you? I was 19. Mm. I was just 19. And I went to... My first contract was in Abu Dhabi, Le Meridian Hotel. And the restaurant called Alberque. And I knew very little. And we didn't have any teacher around. You know, so I remember the only help I had every day was my musicians. Mm. So every day I asked them, was it okay? Was the show okay? Did I, did I dance okay? <laughs> and because they are musicians and not dancers, the first feedback was always... Oh, you know, this face is not good for this music. You know, the, you, you were too happy. You were too sad. Uh, you, you need to be faster on this point because the music are saying this and this and this. So the whole time I was putting the audience first, how they were feeling me. This is how the musician taught me. Mm. So... I think this is this could define what I do because every time I go on stage I am extremely worried if I'm being understood. That's so interesting to hear. It's quite a different path basically. Your mentors for a long time were not other dancers but musicians and it definitely reflects in the dance style. To be honest, then I first time saw your video, I didn't even know who you were at that time, but then I just saw this video, I don't know, probably someone sent me some link or just on Facebook, like, you know, how we sometimes discover uh, some dances. And then I looked first minute, I was like, that's so strange. That's like, I didn't really even know how to react on it. And then a little bit longer, I was like, oh, okay oh wow <laughs> and i can say like my first reaction was like how what a brave dancer was that because uh oh, it's wow. very different from usual trends i feel like a lot because belly dance is so much influenced i guess by competition world that uh, yeah a lot of dancers try to pack uh, as much as they can in two three minutes of their performance on stage and exactly it's kind of kind of goes into 
other stage performances as well, not necessarily even their competition, but it's just the trend that sort of spreads <laughs> regardless of the competition. Exactly. Yeah, sure. But you are going completely uh, opposite, like, I would almost say minimalistic movement, but so into minimalistic, music. yes, yeah. But you know, this is this is something uh, that for me also was uh, new somehow because when I was working in Emirates, as you said in the beginning, I stayed there for twelve years, and I develop my dance, my sense, my my rhythm, everything to belly dance that I have in my life was. 95% develop in these 12 years and um, I'm proud to say I got there with only 5% you know because <laughs> we need to be realistic sometimes life is just so amazing and gives you this opportunity but we need to we need to be fair to each other you know when I got there I didn't know much mm -hmm. and uh, I used to be faster because even there this is a trend they want to they, they want to see service they want to see movement they want to be entertained mm -hmm. and i was i was faster than i am today but i've never forgot the musicians you know it's like they're here in my ear all the time so even though i was faster than i than i am today i used to always stop and think are they understanding me or mm. am I too quick, you know? And when I stopped working there and I came to Brazil, um, I don't even know if I'm still answering the same question, but I, I thought it would, it would be good to add this here. Of course, sure. Uh, when, when I came to Brazil and I decided, well, this life, this soloist showgirl every night is over for me. I want to discover new things. I want to. I want to go to festivals. I want to know more because our business is so huge. Mm -hmm. I said I need to study not only myself, but the other parts of this market. I want to know what's happening. I want to know what people like. I, I want to know what what people don't like. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got to the style I have today. It's funny to say style because I never, I never consider myself a type of style. It's, it's funny because I always thought I was just doing what I should do, mm. you know? And uh, this is something I say to my students every day. I said, the way our mind reacts to Arabic music, it's not the same as the audience. The audience is not as fast as we are. We heard this song a million times. We translated, we studied, we saw second by second, we tried all movements possible, but not the audience. And because I work most of the time with 80% of an audience that are not related to Arabic culture, this is where I'm most concerned if I'm being understood. Mm. Because they don't know the song. I, I can I can be dancing a shabby or I can I can be doing you know Om Kaltum but for them it's the same because they have no idea. So 
myself, I must be the responsible of giving this difference. That's so true and uh, uh, also very different point of view because we all talk in ballet dance or dances translating music through her body but usual approach that you need to show every single uh, mm -hmm. doom and tuck and melody in the background but looking at your dance is like as if you are choosing wi wisely what to emphasize what to translate to audience so and it's actually even more musical yes. as if someone tried to get to the every note of the melody and put it in their body somehow like oh that's great to hear <laughs> <laughs> no that's true that's i mean at least this is my <laughs> my impression and i remember uh, my reaction when i saw first uh, times your videos it's uh, it's quite fascinating and uh, again i will really um encourage people who are listening now if they don't really know what we're exactly talking about just go and watch <laughs> another thing that you uh, that caught my attention that you said so nicely that you're not thinking about style that you're thinking about what you think you should do yeah but it basically translates into the style um, in terms like it differentiates from other artists because it becomes individual approach to dance and music well, you know, um, since the beginning, I was really aware of who I was inside of the, the Arabic culture. I was a Brazilian dancing in Arabic countries. And um, I did... The, the, my priority was not to look Brazilian. Mm. You know, when you're when you're an actress, when you're an actor, you need to do I don't know. You need to do a doctor. You need to play a role of a doctor. You need to play a role of uh, I don't know a, a mad person or a clown. Anyway, you need to you need to study that. You need to be that in order to make people believe you. And since the beginning, this was my priority. When I got to Arabic countries, I said. I don't, I don't want people to look at me and say, oh, she's a Brazilian, she's so sweet, and she's a very nice belly dancer. Uh, but hey, in the middle of your show, can you do some samba? <laughs> this, this was a nightmare mm -hmm. for me, you know? And um, I always had very clear that my freedom when it comes to technique was also very few because we're talking about a culture that is alive and it's changing every day. Mm -hmm. So uh, if, we, if we take belly dance steps, come on, we, we don't, we're not hundreds, it's not thousands. We have that thing that, you know, that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight movements that compose that when you look, you say, this is belly dance. So for me, when I'm doing these movements, then I'm doing belly dance without really taking the matter of, this is my style, this is not my style. I'm going to do this difference. I'm not going to do this different. Uh, I have a friend here in Brazil that I uh, like it so much. She's an amazing dancer. Her name is Jadel Jabel. 
and she says the style of a belly dancer is the way she understands a specific song. Mm. So I would add, we both cry, right? I cry, you cry. But maybe when you cry, you're a silent crier. Myself, I'm a loud crier. I go like... <laughs> But we're feeling the same thing. Mm -hmm. but we react differently. Mm. So I guess maybe I never took myself so seriously inside of this style thing because technically I was doing what I should do. I was doing the hip drop. I was doing the shimmies. I was doing the figure eights. I was doing the circles. But I never really imagine that the way I was feeling it and the way I was analyzing it in order to put as clear as possible to the audience was doing this difference. It's very interesting here how close uh, the style, word style and uh, individualization, I guess, or more like individual uh, um, identity of artists, how close they go together. Because You know how in uh, today's days there is a lot of discussions about oh, Egyptian style, is it poorer, how some dances change it, and then oh, there is Lebanese, Turkish, uh, yeah. and you were quite a lot in, um, influenced by Lebanese style, I guess, but at the same time you developed your individual approach, which... yeah. I, when I first looked at your videos, I could not really connect it to Lebanese style. Uh, neither to Egyptian really, but it was not uh -huh. any fusion as well. <laughs> so that's why maybe I'm using tricky the word style, but it's more like really individual approach, which is uh, um, so important for uh, artists. But I really like how you put it more tweaked, like you just do what you think you should do and how you feel it and how you hear music specifically for your body, not trying to... Uh, borrow anything from any, someone else or copy any specific let's say authentic style or not authentic style that uh, you really just develop how you feel yeah uh would you mind sharing uh, sort of a behind the <laughs> uh, work in progress uh, secret how much improvisation how much choreography uh, are in your performances sure uh there is no choreography mm. there is no choreography in any videos Uh, what happened is I tried to study this mu the music as much as possible. I hear it and hear it once, twice, ten times. And uh, I dance it a few times. And I ask people to, sometimes my students, sometimes my mom, especially my mom, because she's, come on, she's tired of seeing me dancing, right? <laughs> And uh, she's a great audience for me because I, I tell her, Mom, I'm going to dance to you now. Let me know if, it's, if you're understanding, but let me know if I'm doing uh, too much of the same thing. Mm. And this exercise of trying to... Um, connect to my mom even though she saw me dancing 
thousands of times, it's really important to me because sometimes she tells me like, it's beautiful. And then I say, yeah, but did you feel something different? Did, did I do something different? And she was like, well, it's you dancing. And when she say, it's you dancing, then I say, I need to improve. Mm. And uh, I, I do the same with my students. I, I want to know what they're feeling. Are you sad? Or are you... Because sometimes I get like, oh, no, I, it, it's just amazing. I'm mesmerized because you're dancing. I say, no, 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 no. Forget me. For, forget my turban. Forget my face. What are you feeling? Are you understanding me? Mm -hmm. Do you think the song is sad? Do you think the song is happy? What I made you feel? Was I connected to you? Or did you feel that sometimes I was too far, too cold? This is... This is my, my daughter is crying, by the way. People, oh. sorry. <laughs> uh, so this is very important in my process. And uh, there are also uh, something that... I'm not, I'm not always sure because I know that some people will say, oh my God, this is, this is secondary. <laughs> I don't know if secondary is a, is a word. The costume is very important to me. Mm -hmm. You know, because maybe the song is going in one feeling and the way I'm dressed is taking the audience to another. And it doesn't connect. For me, it's very important. Like, first I choose the costume, and then I choose the song, because <laughs> they 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 need to connect. You know, if the song is sad, if the song talks from the heart, I cannot be wearing a pink, super flu costume. With you know, for me, it doesn't match. Mm -hmm. It has to be the full experience. Uh, something also that you just said reminded me how in uh, flamenco they uh, sometimes compare like uh, the guitar player can be super technical, give uh, like super complicated, uh, well, I'm not musician really, but uh, um, uh, rhythm patterns on the guitar and then, uh, but the audience can react uh, like, well, he didn't tell me anything. So it's not even connected to your technicality or technical like skills either in music or dance it's the story that these are yes. translate to audience yes well, talking about costumes uh you also have very specific uh, style in costumes but particularly uh one of the signatures is your uh head pieces <laughs> um, yes where did that come from uh, Oh, well, I will try to make uh, a long story short. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have time. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, you know, I have curly hair. And I was born in 1983. 1983, well, let's say the 80s here in Brazil. Uh, it was not a very nice decade for curly hairs. We had nothing to help the hair. 
And my mom, she didn't know how to take care of my hair.、Oh. So I was pretty much like a lion most of the time. It was huge, and I was I was very、um, how you say、um, I was very thin. I was a, I was a very thin child, short, with that huge hair, that volume that never ended. And my grandmother,、uh, by the way, my family is、uh, part Italian, part Brazilian. So my grandma, she used to do some head pieces for me、uh, from crochet. You know crochet? Yes.、Mm-hmm. Okay. So she used to do it for me, and it was amazing because I just put it on, and my hair just take a place. Uh huh. You know, so since since a young age, I I start using fabrics and things on my on my head. But anyway, going further,、uh, I was already living in Arab countries, and I was adapted to headpieces and turbans and hats, but never to dance because it was not allowed.、Mm-hmm. The first time I danced with my turban was here in Brazil in 2013. So imagine it was a whole life doing this just inside of my house or going around, but never on stage, never. And、uh, I was encouraged by a friend. She was like, "This is so you. You are so comfortable when you're wearing." Why you don't dance with it? And I was like, no, people will laugh of me. This is, it doesn't it doesn't match. I don't know what I'm gonna do、uh, with my hair. I don't know. I'm not gonna move my hair. You know, my posture might change. I was really concerned about it. But then I remember looking myself in the mirror, and I was like, at least I'm gonna try. I'm gonna put the turban because believe it or not, I, I never use a costume with a headpiece until that day. Mm-hmm. So when I put it on and I look myself in the mirror, I was I get I got emotional. I start crying. I was like, "Wow, it's so I'm so happy to see myself like that." And then I said, "You know what? I'm gonna dance it just today, just today. If people laugh, then I'm not gonna do it again." And I asked people not to upload the videos. <laughs> and、uh, what happened is that no one laughed. Actually, everybody was shocked. And、um, when I went off stage, I told this friend that encouraged me. I said, "I think it was horrible." <laughs> Because did you see people reactions? I think I did it really bad. And she was like, "You didn't do bad. You just did different." And she recorded. She said, "You need to see yourself because it was another posture. It was another arm. It was another and everything." And anyway, f- from that day, it took me around six months to create this ballerina with the headpiece because I liked what I saw and.、Uh, For me, it was so special to see my posture and to see that everything that I study, which I want to talk about later,、uh, about Arabic women, was in there. 
I didn't know I learned so much about body language than when I saw myself dancing with no hair. Mm. And so I spent nine months, uh, sorry, six months creating my new posture. Like, how can I dance with the headpiece? What kind of headpiece can I use in order not to offend no one, not to go against no one or no religion or no, you know, I, I didn't want to be um, unpolite. Mm -hmm. So it took me a while. And when I was ready, of course, I was not confident. I was just ready. <laughs> I, I started and I put all my heart on it and it worked. It's so interesting to hear how often we are so hard on ourselves and uh, so unconfident and don't believe in something that we actually deep inside feel we have to do. <laughs> and uh, sometimes we don't notice uh, exactly. people's appreciation around us and think it was uh, uh, terrible or something, but in fact it was beautiful. And uh, Uh, I saw somewhere a couple of photos and videos of uh, uh, you without turbans. You have a beautiful hair. Thank you. But also your costumes and your um, appearance, stage appearance is uh, really beautiful too. And uh, uh, with turbans, actually, one of the other questions that I was uh, um, thinking to ask, how you actually deal with this cultural approach to turbans? Because I'm not really sure in Arabic countries what could have been their relation and reaction from cultural point of view. Like I know in India, for instance, turbans are more male headpieces than female. So you briefly mentioned that you were doing your research to design a specific style so it doesn't identify with any culture or was it something different? Well, what happened is that uh, I started searching for Arabic women with turban because most of the time they are wearing hijabs. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I found some um, bl bloggers. Mm -hmm. This is how you say it, yeah? Yeah, uh, yeah? Some bloggers from Kuwait, from Saudi Arabia, from Emirates. And um, I tried to connect their image with the American image from the pinup old years. <laughs> yeah, because you know mm -hmm. it, it, the the pinups. Yes, they they used to wear headpiece and never bother anyone, and that was that was a safe place. But it was too occidental, so I try to connect as much as possible with these bloggers, these girls, uh, which I can. Um, give you the names later if you want to uh, attach with the with the podcast so people can search as well and understand a little bit more yeah that would be awesome i'll add to show notes thanks <laughs> yeah sure it would be great so um i look for indian turbans african turbans arabic turbans and the fashion turbans which are americans and and on and on and on And uh, I tried to develop a way of putting it, uh, I don't know, sorry, in English how to say it, but the way of putting on my head, I try as much as possible to be Arabic style. 
mm-hmm. not African style. So there is a way of how you put your hair, from which angle is going to be bigger, and how you're gonna close it if it's mm-hmm. up or if it's down, and. Uh, it, Sometimes it's hard because even though I did all this research, yes, sometimes people come to me and say some bad things like, you shouldn't be wearing this, mm. you're white, you're this, you're that, you shouldn't, this, this is not your culture, this is not your property. I, I don't believe that culture is a property. Yeah. Uh, this, I don't want to offend anyone, but this is just my point of view. I believe that at this point, the world is one. Come on. Mm. We, we are, you know, we're all in jeans. We're all made in China somehow. <laughs> it's, you, it's really hard now just to separate. This is yours. This is mine. You cannot use this. You cannot use that. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go deeper. This thing, it's much older, and it's much older, and and it's so much more important than we think, because uh, we have to, we have to go like centuries back to understand. This is not just about the 17th century. It's not just about mm-hmm. a, a geographic space. This is sacred. We can, we can relate to Christianism. We can relate to pharaonic times. Wearing a fabric on your head is sacred. Women do it for centuries, for different matters, for different reasons. And it's important to just understand the whole history. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, you will fight. That's so true. And I don't want to fight with anyone. <laughs> um, I'm always uh, sadly surprised whenever I face those conversations. Oh, this is my culture. You, you are not from this culture. Why you do this culture? And I kind of feel every belly dancer to a certain extent. I mean, every belly dancer who is not from Middle Eastern country originally, they face at certain point uh, this issue, someone more, someone less, but somehow we sort of touch it um, at certain points because there is a lot of discussions if uh, European, American or Asian dancers, they influence on belly dance and uh, if they have sort of uh, rights to perform mm-hmm. or anything like that but uh, I sort of developed uh, my approach to it and my not defense but sort of uh, reaction and my true opinion that we don't own culture so if someone says exactly. it's my culture it's not your own in the culture it just means you belong to this culture exactly but you live there's it there's no ownership yes you live it there are so many people there are so many Brazilian that doesn't leave Brazilian culture there are so many Arabics that doesn't leave Arabic culture yeah you know this is something we should have the choice you know and something that i sorry just adding uh mm-hmm. i love to say this to my girls to my study to my students dance can be part of a culture but first of all dance is a universal language mm. so once you once you decide to dance 
and I decide to dance and thousands and thousands of women everywhere decided to dance is because we want to talk about the same thing. We want to be understood between each other. So maybe if we start thinking a little bit more like this, <laughs> our tribal sense would be bigger, stronger. Yeah. Just to add on this note, I also like comparison that we are all citizens of this planet. Absolutely. And it's great, uh, great um, analogy with dance's international language that can connect all of us as well as, well as many other art styles. Uh, um, I think uh, uh, this is something that we can communicate without any words or language barriers. That's really beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely. And you also mentioned that adding turbans uh, helped you to evoke some body movements or gestures connected to Arabic culture. Did I understood it uh, right? Yes. Can you expand a little bit on that? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, do you remember in the beginning of our conversation, I said that for me, it was really clear that I should be an Arabic dancer, mm -hmm. not a Brazilian dancer doing ballet dance. Mm -hmm. So my priority was not to look Brazilian. And I'm talking 2004. I was completing one year in United Arab Emirates. And I was really disturbed about being the Brazilian ballet dancer. I want to be the ballet dancer. Mm. And so I started paying attention to Arabic women. I remember buying a book uh, where I could write my impressions. And I, I would go anywhere, a coffee shop, uh, a mall, a park, and anywhere, any public place, mm -hmm. and just stay there and stare. I, I remember one day I spent, I, it was my day off, I spent the whole day in a Starbucks, in a mall, mm -hmm. looking all kind of Arabic women with hijab, with no hijab, Lebanese, Moroccan, Emirati. Oh my God, I don't know how many women pass through me that day or sit beside me without knowing I was actually just paying attention on how they were taking the coffee, how many sugar they put on the coffee, <laughs> or what they're talking about. And um, the headpiece, you know, the hijab, is something that always caught my attention because I'm from Brazil and we are, we, we have, we do have a kind of a freedom when it comes to, to being, you know. We use short, short shorts. We, tops and you know hairs everywhere mm -hmm. like like I guess all occidental culture goes on and um, for me having my hair all done and shaking it side to side when I was dancing was very feminine I, I always felt very empowered by it mm -hmm. But I remember when I started paying attention on Arabic women, really paying attention, you know, I stopped watching Arabic movies just to search belly dancer and actually look to that women there, how they talk, how they walk, how they 
put the hand on, on the waist or on the face. And I remember looking to Emirati women and thinking, how can you be so feminine? How, how can you have this movement if your hair is not down, out? How, why, why you have the same movement as I do if your hair is not there? Because, you know, for me, some hand movement was just because of the hair. <laughs> so I start paying attention on these things and uh, I mm -hmm. took the liberty of putting into my dance. So I guess some people ask me, like, you don't, you don't miss your hair? I said, no, my hair is here. Come on. I don't miss it. I have it. I just, I just don't dance with it. But I have this weight that the headpiece gives. And I learn how to put my hands on a way that keeps my femininity on, you know, like it's, it's a kind of a balance. I don't know if I'm explaining myself very well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so interesting to, to hear it because I, uh, uh, well, just from my personal experience, I struggle a lot. I'm very influenced by these uh, uh, modern tendencies and I use intense hair so much that sometimes even I myself think, okay, that was too much. <laughs> it didn't need to be it there. It was a hair mm -hmm. choreography sometimes, huh? Yes. I, yes had, exactly. I had that too in, in, in a moment of my life. I used to have it. And sometimes I like to dance with no headpiece in my school, you know, in my rehearsals just to remember how was it and i'm sure that if i feel i will do it again you know mm -hmm. like to to an audience uh this is this is just about feeling it but headpiece is just so important to me i have a huge respect for any kind and it really changes change it sorry Changed my life, changed the way mm -hmm. I dance, changed the way I see women, especially Arabic women. Mm -hmm. And um, it's something that maybe if I took it off, something will be missed. Uh, it's uh, very fascinating to hear how much we can take and bring in and enrich our dance but not from a dance source, but from a cultural source and studying the... Uh, culture, everyday behavior, I would say everyday environment as well and uh, bringing it and enriching in the dance. Yeah. But I also know that you had the training in ballet, jazz and contemporary before you start uh, ballet dance. Do you think it influenced in any way your uh, ballet dance journey or it was just something happened before ballet dance? <laughs> Well, ba classic ballet and jazz was before belly dancing. Contemporary came after belly dancing. Mm. And uh, when it comes to jazz and ballet, technically it didn't make any difference. I'll, I'll tell you honestly. I never wanted to mix techniques, even though it's hard not to, you know. <laughs> But, uh... <laughs> Sorry, I, I think I expressed myself bad. It's just that I, I didn't want to use it. I, I just don't want people to look at me and say, oh, she knows ballet. Oh. You know, I, tr I try to have this sensibility of 
trying the same step over and over to see if it's fitting on an Arabic body in an Arabic uh, movement. If it's not too, you know, if the lines are not too straight, if my body is not too convex and, and so on. This is very important to me. But I can say that discipline and that thirst of doing the right thing, doing the right step and being 100% connected to what I'm doing first without being too attached to what I'm wearing or if my face is perfect. This is something that I learned from classic ballet and jazz. It's about what are you doing? It's about your discipline. How many times are you able to repeat? Are you ready to repeat a thousand times until it's perfect? So this discipline comes from there. The contemporary was very important to me in a phase where I didn't know how to deal with my emotions anymore. I was too automatic. I was already eight years in Arabic countries and uh, I, I didn't, you know, you know, sometimes we're not too happy to dance. Mm. We're not in the mood. We're humans. You know, I was working Monday to Monday and uh, some days I was like, oh my God. So I just, I just put play on myself mm -hmm. and go. And that started to become a habit. And I was like, this is not taking me anywhere. I need to change this. And so I started, uh, I remember that time I was living in Dubai and oh my God, I'm so ashamed now because I cannot remember the name of the teacher but this woman was so wonderful she used to work for Cirque du Soleil and she was living in Dubai for a while and a friend told me about her classes like you have to do her classes it's amazing and it was a, the first time in many many years that I was really you know opening up screaming and using all my power without thinking, oh, is this okay for the stage? Is this okay? You know, she really put me out of my comfort zone. Of course, I didn't take this to the stage. Mm -hmm. It was just a personal study. But it helped me a lot because I start paying attention more on where my emotions were. Um, sorry, that, that's, that's my baby. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's excited because she's she's playing um, because, because as I said I was so automatic that I was not paying attention anymore you know it was like oh I was automatic today oh well tomorrow's another day I was not in a hurry to do something about it and when I start studying contemporary technique I was like I finished my show and I, and I was okay it was it was still automatic. I need to do something about it. What can I do? Let's change the song. Let's do something different. Let's change the arrangement. I want to do this song again, but I don't want tabla. I want to do a taxim before. I start exploring on how could I do that music over and over because 
you know, sometimes you have to do the same song over and over every single day because people want mm -hmm. to hear it, they, they want to see it. But I needed to refresh my emotions on it. Mm. So it was amazing. So uh, did it mean that basically trying some new, in this case, dance style was the way to reconnect to ballet dance and to your passion? I think not to belly dance, technically speaking, but to my emotions, to my mm. uh, commitment to my work. Because when you work in Arab countries, especially United Arab Emirates, you're, you're an entertainer, you're a show girl, a show woman. You're there representing the Arabic culture, the belly dance. And uh, you need to be beautiful. Your costume needs to be beautiful. And your dance must be uh, beautiful. It's like, it's a balance. Mm -hmm. And um, they, don't, they don't care if you don't cry. They don't care if you're not feeling the violin and crying with the violin. They don't care. Actually, they don't want you to cry with the violin because it's too much. So you, you start moderating your emotions mm. and this is really bad. I mean, at least for me, I, I think it's really bad because you, you don't, you don't um, allow yourself anymore. You're just attached to that pattern. So it was important to me to scream, you know? I remember this teacher told me, when was the last time that you scream while you're dancing? And I, I just look at her like, what? what? You want me to scream like now? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, can you do that? I said, I, I can try. And if, if, you, <laughs> if you see some videos, you will see me screaming. I'll never forget that. I, I, I scream till today. I scream with my audience. I talk with my audience. Mm. And this made a whole difference for me. That's interesting. Like uh, so many artists having so many different uh, relationships with uh, other styles. Like some are uh, saying, oh, studying different dance styles can help your ballet dance technique. Some others saying, oh, it can actually harm your ballet dance technique but uh, it's actually the first time i'm hearing that it actually was helping to and it's actually obvious but interesting to hear that it was helping to connect back to emotions and uh, sort of the reasons why keep dancing and like i mean from artistic point of view not losing the passion to it uh, because i remember even in one of the previous podcast episodes we talked to katerina siham uh, and she was also telling how much in the middle east specifically in emirates they pay attention to visual aspect of dance not necessarily its essence absolutely <laughs> uh, let's see absolutely no 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 essence is just something <laughs> <laughs> for them I, I don't I don't know her but I, I follow her on Instagram I think she's great and I saw that she had also the the experience on working in Arabic countries especially in United Arab Emirates so I, I I was already following her when I saw that I was like oh we have something in common that was so amazing and yes they they need you to be perfect visually speaking you know, so this, this can be a huge problem to your essence, to your ballerina soul after a while. And so I, I would say, if I, if I could say it here, 
everyone needs to try something different. Different, sorry. Once in a while, because belly dance is my life. But there are aspects of me as an artist, not as a dancer, but as an artist, that needs other other reasons, other other uh, other things to 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 be awake. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean. I, I don't know if I'm explaining myself well, but uh, for example, something that I love to do, I, I love to go to, to museums and to just stay there staring at the, at the paintings and all the colors or sometimes no colors. I try to understand that. I try, I try to see a, a paint full of colors and have I ever danced like that? so explosive so full of yellow and orange and or or no i'm i'm seeing something else it's it's just a, a carbon on paper and i'm like have i ever been like that just a carbon on paper just just pale just just nothing this is really important because made us think out of the box and you can believe me you can translate that to your dance Belly dance is belly dance. It's a life culture. It's a technique that no other technique can teach you how to do it. But yes, other art expression can teach you much about yourself, about your emotion, about your limits. And that will make a difference. I guess it's a huge uh, issue huge task for all artists and dancers to balance the business and art side in this culture because on one side we are artists that want to express uh, our ideas yeah. and visions and that's originally why usually people go into dance they want to find to connect to the energy or femininity or some physical like aspect of it but it's usually for themselves and to find mm -hmm. their place in the dance art. But then once we switch to professional uh, aspect of it, it comes the business side, what the, let's say the market demands. And sometimes it gets Absolutely. into conflict with our vision. And it's very easy to lose, uh, uh, lose even to lose passion sometimes and um, start questioning why, why keep doing. Um, but, it's really nice to thanks for sharing like the um, the view that sometimes trying something new can evoke it and uh, reconnect back to yourself and your art um, in art soul inside. Absolutely, absolutely, you said it all. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just summing up uh, amazing, uh, amazing uh, uh, wisdoms that you give. <laughs> we are women. We are powerful. We are multitasking. We, we can and we, ha we have to drink different type of waters. We need to fool our jars <laughs> to give water later. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel I can talk hours and hours with you. you you shared so much wisdom oh. in this uh, i feel very short conversation 
Am I am I talking too much? So, but I'm, I'm, I talk too much. I know. Oh no, no! Please, please <laughs> talk more. <laughs> But one of the talks that I just can't skip because I'm sure a lot of uh, listeners, uh, even before starting listening to this episode, were hoping to hear a little bit. And while uh, this interview, they they probably had a lot of questions in their mind. But uh, I also know that uh, about a year ago, you had a very significant change in your life. <laughs> and uh, uh, you uh, got such a, a beautiful baby. Yes. I saw a couple of your photos on Instagram. How old? Uh, it's one about one year, right? Yes, Isn't Katarina it? just completed a year on oh my God. March 27. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> First Thank birthday. Thank you so much. So exciting. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm such a proud mama. I can imagine. Can you tell us, please, how birth of child and pregnancy how it influenced if at all your dance because i know a lot of pregnant belly dancers oh. they uh, they have their struggles and uh, i i'm sure they would really appreciate to hear your story and uh, your take on it absolutely <laughs> you don't mind. no absolutely not it's a pleasure well um pregnancy uh, was amazing i danced I remember Katarina was born on um, Monday and I danced till Saturday. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I did everything when I was pregnant. All mm. kind of movements, shimmy. I gave intensive workshops when I was eight months pregnant. I was doing, I was on my school every day, sun, uh, sorry, Monday to Friday, traveling Saturdays and Sundays. Oh my God. <laughs> I did, and it was amazing. What I, what I can say, because, you know, every time I talk about this, people go like, oh, come on. It's not the same. Well, yes, it's not the same. I have a baby on my belly and my belly is growing every day. It's getting huge. I don't see my knee. I don't see my feet. But I work the same way. I dance the same way. But after the seventh month, I stopped um, the camel movement. It's a, this is how you say it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. The camel movement, I stopped because... In the seventh month, it it was when my belly like really grew, and it was really hard on my back, mm -hmm. and so the the camel movement killed me. <laughs> so I, I stopped doing it, mm -hmm. and uh, yes, my my dance changed it a little. I was more with the figure eight, the circles. But I remember the way I used to work my, my weight, right, left, my tonus, my power was the same. Actually, sometimes a little bit more because I felt because I used to think like I'm heavier. So I need to be more powerful. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it, it was really interesting. If you are pregnant now and you're listening to this, Keep on dancing. Explore your body. It's amazing. And you massage your baby. 
the baby will love it. You dance, uh, your baby already is dancing and uh, uh, probably developing future dancers. <laughs> Who oh, I hope so. Uh, well, I, I, I tell people I, I'm not, you know, putting much of an expectations because it might not happen, mm -hmm. but I, I really hope at least once she can dance with me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, looking forward to it. <laughs> and oh, absolutely. Was it? Oh, and by the way, just a side note for someone who may not uh, be familiar with terminology, camel movement in some schools or countries is called just undulations, so that everyone knows <laughs> what we were talking about. Sorry, undulation, no, no yes. No problem, like camel is a very popular term too, so just oh, to make great. sure everyone <laughs> on the same page. And... Um, was it difficult to come back into dance uh, lifestyle after after you gave a birth? Uh, well, I had to wait for 40 days, which was forever for me. <sighs> and uh, when I was already 25 days after birth, I was dancing in my house. And I remember my doctor saying, don't do that. Aww. But it was so natural to me. My body came back very quick. Mm -hmm. But technically speaking, what happened, and I don't say this in a bad way, it was interesting actually. Even after my, my belly, you know, my belly was already back to normal. I lost a lot of weight while I was breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. I was even under the weight I... I had when I found out I was pregnant, so I was really skinny. My dance was still the same when my baby was on my belly. It was hard for me to go back to, sorry, I don't know how to say in English, but it was hard for me to go back to hip drops and hard accents, you know, like drum solo was oh, a nightmare for me. Because I, I was too slow. My body was still too slow. Mm. And uh, so it was, I, I, I can say two months until I, so you, you count 40 days after I give birth. This is when my doctor say, go, <laughs> do, do whatever you want now. <laughs> so after these 40 days, it took me two months. Hey, baby. It took me two months to, like, do a proper drum solo, mm -hmm. you know. I, I had to remember some steps that my, my body just forgot. I guess that during, well, any time, but especially during this time of pregnancy and after it, it's super important to listen in and tuning in into your body and what it asks and what it needs uh, and to find in balance. Uh, um, Absolutely. I, I, I guess it's not only physical, but even mental. Like, your arts to dance <laughs> only confirms it. Uh, the, there is always this balance of compromising. There is uh, what is risk for health and what is, if you're not doing it, what is risk for, risk for your mental health as well. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, 
Well, uh, thanks for sharing it. Really important. And by the way, please say thank you personally for me to Katerina to allowing her mama <laughs> to spend uh, this hour with us and uh, as well as your family who I know they are taking care of baby right now. <laughs> so you Oh, can... yeah. I have here, I have my husband. My husband is here. My mom's here. And I have also my uncle and my auntie. Say hi. 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 Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, Every, everybody's just listening. They're not really understanding, <laughs> but they're listening. Well, anyway, please uh, say thank you from me and I'm sure from all listeners uh, uh, for their uh, patience and, patience and uh, um, willingness to, to help and uh, let you spend this time with us because I know you, are, you probably have very busy <laughs> schedule these days. And um, I, 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 do, I do, especially because tomorrow is Katarina's party. Oh wow! <laughs> yes, we spend we spend the whole day today preparing everything. Wow. But I must say, I was so happy when you when you invite me because it's it's my first invitation to a podcast, and um, I was really shy and nervous because oh. I know I talk too much, and I was like, oh my god, they want to hear me so talking. Oh, I loved every minute of it, and uh, I definitely would love to have you back on uh, a podcast. Uh, uh, anytime basically <laughs> we can record it every week if you want oh, it will be my pleasure uh, Yana. thank you so much my baby is really excited yes you can hear oh yes and <laughs> um, and before I ask you our final signature question of podcast can you just please tell our listeners uh, where they can find you what is the best way to follow your dance activities as well as if you have any upcoming projects or trips that you'd like to share with us today here oh absolutely well I think the best way to to get in touch with my daily daily dance life is on Instagram I use it a lot um, mm -hmm. which is dance Esmeralda and uh, I, I have my my YouTube channel but I'm so lazy on that channel oh my god honestly <laughs> but I'm, I'm trying my best I'm gonna I'm gonna get better on that and um, I have many trips coming soon on this May I have a European tour I'm gonna be in Her uh, Budapest and uh, France Malaga Spain and Slovenia, Maribor, mm -hmm. and then I have Canada uh, on July. Yes, I, <laughs> yes. I have um, Italy. I, I will be in Italy on uh, June, end of June. I have Ecuador, and then November. Oh, sorry, August. I will be in China and Taiwan. And November, we have Russia, Portugal. Denmark and Ukraine. I'm gonna, oh my God, I'm gonna do a lot of countries this year. But Instagram is my, my, my place. Mm -hmm. I'll definitely add uh, links uh, to in the episode show notes. So for people, it's easier to connect and uh, find you on social media. Sure. And people, if, you're, if you like it, just send me a message and say it. I I'll be happy to know if you like it. <laughs> if all of you like it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will type my message right now. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I really love it. Um, very excited to see you also in Canada in July. Uh, looking forward to your workshops and meeting you in person here. 
Absolutely. And who knows, maybe we'll manage to do another podcast episode, but that time yeah. in person. <laughs> that would yeah, be awesome. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> so we can do a live. Oh, yes, for sure. And uh, then I will also encourage people who are listening right now, if you have any questions that you'd like to us to cover or go more deep inside, just either, uh, I would say, probably message me so I can compile them all together and we'll, we'll come Absolutely. up with uh, another, uh, another, I'm sure, significant uh, uh, chat, uh, but in July this time. In July this time. Um, so our final question that I ask every time on every episode, regardless of what we actually talk throughout the interview, is uh, like this. <laughs> what makes you fall in love with ballet dance again and again, so you keep doing it for so many years? Wow. Uh, <laughs> well, every day... I remember the day I took the first airplane to UAE and it's exactly this memory that makes me go on every day because I was 19 years old it was December 3rd 2002 and I was in in the airport with my mom and she told me you always said that dance makes you happy so now you have a chance to start a career on this and make people happy so go on and do it and if it doesn't work you can always come back home because i will always be your mama i remember this every day so i i wake up every day i go be happy make people happy and come back home to hug my mama well, now I'm a mama, so <laughs> it's not it's not really about the belly dance. I understood your your question, but it's more about a memory. This day changed my life, and I live to belly dance every day since that day. Well, it whatever whatever drives you and uh, moves you forward. So thank you for sharing. And it's really amazing to hear the supportive uh, family you have uh, and as well as good reminder that uh, we always have a chance to try something and see if that's our true dream and regardless if you succeed or not on it we still will be loved by our uh, close ones <laughs> absolutely and the, and that's amazing i just feel like uh, it frees and motivates, uh, gives freedom for, for people. Well, I'm super, super happy, as well as many other ballet dancers, that you took that plane, <laughs> you went towards your dream, and that you kept going until now. Absolutely. And now you inspire many, many other dancers. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm happy too. I'm happy to know that I, I can uh, somehow support and encourage other dancers and uh, I must say it was not easy I had very good days and I had plenty of bad days I left home as a young girl and I came back an old woman <laughs> seriously but I would do it all over again mm. we just need to believe it right 
That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And once again, thank you for your time and thank you for being here on podcast and sharing your wisdom. I got so many takeaways uh, and so many treasure quotes and ideas that I just feel so inspired and, uh, and encouraged right now. So, and I kept, uh, I, I can't wait to actually share and release this episode. <laughs> oh, me too. I'm, exci- I'm excited. It would be great. Yana, thank you so much for this opportunity. Guys, thank you so much for spending this time with us. And if you like this episode, it will mean a world to me if you take a few seconds and leave us a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. Also, you can always find more information about podcast as well as past episodes at yanadance.com slash podcast. As well as you can connect with me on social media by Yana Dance or Yana Komarnitska. I'm very active on Instagram as well as Facebook and share a lot of tips and inspiration for your daily ballet dance life. And by the way, don't forget to subscribe to podcast so you never miss a future episode. And until next time, keep shimming.